uh, I'm not that type of dude. I'm mm-hmm. a scorer, 100%. Yeah. I need to face the goal. That's why I'm dangerous. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Lighthearted Podcast. The Lighthearted Podcast, to another episode of the Lighthearted Podcast. We're going to have gamers, we're going to have athletes, we're going to have businessmen, businesswomen. A couple moments, I would say, like tangible moments that probably was, you know, really impactful, like to me as a child. Man, and then nobody ever talked about it. So it was like, I never said nothing, but you know, I'm lighthearted. You know, let's give y'all the exclusive piece of the truth, man. man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Lighthearted Podcast presented by Venmo. Um, obviously, I am your host, Josh Hart, uh, and my co-host and brother. And uh, what a, you know, the titles can just keep going, so we'll just go there. I wear a lot of hats, bro. Um, is here with me uh, in spirit. <laughs> um, so this is actually the last episode of the year um so of season one of season one so happy uh i'll say happy holidays to everybody merry christmas happy hanukkah um you know happy new year's you know there's all of it so that's why i always i always don't understand when people say oh merry christmas ah just tell me happy holidays because you never know you know what i mean so <laughs> true. you never know that's what, true although christmas christmas is such a it is it's such like a big cultural holiday that like i mean i'm i'm jewish but if someone wishes me a merry christmas i'm i say it right back i'm like yeah, yeah. that's you what, know that's the thing i like, I it's, like the, it's the spirit yeah it's the spirit that's that's really what it is because like I, that's like when i first like when i first like moved in with y'all or whatever and even like during college i'll text you know like charlie or mom and pops and i'll be like oh merry christmas i'll be like and like just say merry christmas back but i'll be like uh forgot uh, they're 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 Jewish. It's Hanukkah. So now I just go. Now I just go with Happy Holidays. It just sums everything up. It's all good. Like I said, I think at this point, Christmas is is has become as much of a time of year, the season, a time yeah. of year as it as it is a holiday. So it's really just like all of December is just like uh, Christmas because you right after Thanksgiving, then you get the lights up, then you get the holiday, then you get the um, you know, the Christmas music playing, the Christmas movies, the twenty five days of Christmas um so yeah it's you, really just like get, the month yeah you get the lights up or if uh if you're josh hart you pay someone to get the lights up yeah shout out to uh <laughs> to terminex you know uh you know when people like my neighbors actually thought i had like i already had like a um termite inf- like infestation in my house i was like no 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 they're just doing the christmas lights so for those of you guys that don't know terminex the, the termite company also you know We'll hang your Christmas lights for you if yep. you pay them enough. Do Christmas lights, so huh? shout out, shout out to them for. Uh, yeah. They actually kind of messed up because I was supposed to have colored lights this year, but I only have white, so it's kind of a bummer. But it is what it oh, is. Oh man, yeah. Darn hey, but what a um, what a road th- th- these first you know six months of of lighthearted has been. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. Um, you know, it's when you say six months, it doesn't even really feel like it was six months. Feel like you know. It was a it was a couple we months. A lot in. Yeah, yeah, we got we definitely got a lot in a lot of episodes in this um, six months, and <laughs> it was definitely a grind, um, you know, especially during the season. I don't think either of us kind of f- knew what kind, you know, how much work and effort was going to be, you know, trying to you know lock down guests during the season and traveling and all that. But um, you know, it worked out very well. You know, I think it's been a good first season. You know, of the lighthearted podcast and you know, can't wait for season two to start. 
and us yeah, to be I mean, to be you, determined. You <laughs> yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think when when we started it, you know, we did it one for fun. We wanted a chance to, you know, talk shit and and share our perspective with everybody and it happened it grew really quickly you know it picked up a lot and you know luckily we found an incredible partner in in venmo that like made so much you know possible for us and um you know couldn't couldn't thank them enough and and they you know they came in at really the perfect time just as we really started to hit you know a lot of growth um but like you said i think you know when you put so much time and energy into something um sometimes you have to take a bit of a step back and refresh and um and you know really gear up to to do it right because i think you know if we tried to continue doing one episode a week while i have a full-time job while you're in season without any sort of break uh we would ultimately just burn out i think no definitely you know it it was a process trying to make sure we can't be able to get an episode out to you guys every um you know every week but it was it was a fun process um you know if you know, when we start season two, you know, will we do it every week? Probably not. <laughs> Just so we have a little bit of more time to, um, you know, get great, great guests to, um, you know, have some time for family and our actual jobs and and things like that. But, um, you know, with all that being said, it was definitely a blast. And, you know, it was definitely a fun six months and we can't wait to get the you know season two started which um like i said is you know definitely follow us on socials and uh it'll be the next next yeah you know i would say next couple months a couple months three to six months i mean definitely the summer for sure yeah no definitely um, so. you know you'll be in, you'll be in la we'll be able to get a ton of episodes i think like you said it was just hard while you're traveling you know i travel a lot you're bringing your mics on the road you know we're also trying to get guests and they have to be in the same room as one of us and you know, everyone's busy with the season, so you don't want to push too hard. So I think it can be it can be challenging for sure. Definitely, but um, well, with that said, real quick before before we move on, what was your favorite episode? Like, had to pick. Um, I, don't know, I, I think I think either Zoe, um, maybe Donovan. Uh, Donovan was a hell of an episode. Yeah. Um, or TG, I mean, one of those three. It was cool because obviously with me, you know, I I know all those guys um, on the very good, um, you know, base. So it's you know it was cool to see you know to talk to Alonzo and just kind of hear him talk about some of that stuff that we don't always get to talk about and just kind of see how mature he's got, uh, you know, in the last you know from you know his first two years to you know his third year this year. Um, you know, Donovan was cool just because, you know, all the success that he had, you can just tell and you can hear, you know, how, uh, you know, how humble he is. And, you know, he'd never let, you know, all that success get to his, get to his head. And, you know, that's a, um, you know, that's a hard thing to do, especially when you're 21, 22 years old. Um, and then TG, you know, that's, that's my guy, you know, it's got him on a little bit of, you know, some, some, I think it was cake bread that, that episode and just kind of hear you know his take cake batter yeah cake batter um (laughs) and then kind of hear his take on um you know nfl and kind of his you know how difficult his process was in terms of you know just coming off of an you know acl and being a running back and being a you know first round pick you know when running backs aren't usually drafted that high so i'll probably say one of those three i think you know 
it's hard to pick one come so close to you know those three but um i'll just say those three one of those three i would say the tg one is definitely the episode that i had the most fun recording mm-hmm. um i felt like it was super loose obviously it was the off season so the wine was like flowing a little bit more generously um mm-hmm. But that shit was so funny, especially when you guys were laughing about when you FaceTime him on the boat. Yeah. That's still one of my favorite moments in the whole the whole lighthearted. So, was, um, yeah, yeah. What, what what would you say if you had to pick? I won't even say one. A couple. What was your favorite couple? A couple. Um, I really like the Eve one. Mm. I thought the Eve one was great. I thought he had a you know really interesting path. Um, I really liked. I actually really liked the Spencer Dinwiddie one. I thought I thought that one was really insightful and I thought he's I think he's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like so funny. Like randomly when we were like talking about DeAndre Jordan and he just like went stone cold. It was like, no, we don't speak about DJ. <laughs> <laughs> um and then I also liked I liked the Jerry one. I thought I thought Jerry was was a really like down to earth guy and you know, I mean, it's it's no secret we talked about it on that episode that I really have, I really love Entourage. So, you know. That was cool for me, for sure. Yeah. So, I guess with that being said, um, kind of going to you know what 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 we're doing for the holiday season. Obviously, you know, you're back with the family. You have a trip coming up soon. So, kind of tell the people, you know, what's what's in your world right now. Yeah. I mean, in the spirit of this episode, I'll I'll start by saying I'm drinking a. Uh, 2016 colina dalla valle just your quintessential napa red had its elbows out a little bit when i opened it but it's it's good now (laughs) um now i'm hanging with the fam in philly um playing a little bit monopoly i'm racking up a bunch of property right now um hoping that it emulates what my real life will look like at some point um but i'm here for i'm in philly uh, today's what monday monday or tuesday tuesday right christmas eve um, I'm here till Friday and then I actually might check out the Bucks Sixers game tomorrow on Christmas day. I'm going to watch your game and then I'm here till Friday and then I go to London, um, from Friday until the 31st, like New Year's Eve day. And then I go to Paris on New Year's Eve and then I'm there until the third, which I'm really excited for. I'm going to a Chelsea Arsenal game. Thanks to you, <laughs> Mr. Hart. I appreciate, I appreciate the hookup there. Yep. Um, Come on, you blues. Keep the blue flag flying high. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell Mason and Christian what's up. Um, and then I fly back to L.A. on the 3rd, direct, 11 hours, so I can make it back for the Lakers-Pelicans. You know, this should be a pretty good game. <laughs> that's my that's my holiday holiday season. What about you? You're in Denver? Yep, in Denver. Um, sitting in my hotel room. I'm about to put on... Uh, uh, how to Grinch Stoke Christmas, um, the the Jim Carrey edition. Um, do that, and that's my Christmas Eve night. We had a little uh, holiday party with you know the families and dad of the organization um, a little earlier. So that tomorrow, obviously, playing Denver, um, and then the twenty. I'm really just looking forward to the twenty sixth. We get back from this what eight or nine day road trip that we're on. Um, I get my, you know, I pick up my puppy. Um, you know, I have my, my parents are going to be in town. Shannon will be in town. 
Um, and then I have, you know, Shannon's family's coming in, you know, a day or so after. Um, you know, our family's coming in, mom's pops, Charlie coming in a couple days after. So I'll have like a, a, a pretty kind of full and packed house, um, you know, the 26th until whenever everyone leaves but um that's kind of my that's what you that's what you want though i feel like you like you especially on like holidays and shit like you always you always want like a packed house yeah i do i definitely would take a a packed house and you know any day over this uh quiet hotel room (laughs) but um yeah so that's my holiday uh you know holiday festivities I'm a little sad you didn't decide to go with a pit bull, but I am excited to meet your dog. Yeah, nah. Uh, Shannon actually sent me a pit bull. I mean, she sent me a photo of a little pit bull puppy today. I said, let's get it. I said, let's get one. And then she said, okay, but we have to take back Apollo. I was like, ah, you know what? I'm good. Definitely pass on that. So, How do you feel? How do you think if King ever comes to visit, how do you feel like he's going to react to Nova and this new male dog having a new home together? Um, I mean, it don't matter because it ain't his home. <laughs> yeah, that, Fair enough. That, that, that's Nova and Apollo's crib now. So we'll see. But um, it'll be fun. It'll be a good, uh, you know, that that'd be cool. I just can't wait. I made I made my uh my little um J Hart Roddy's Instagram page, waiting to upload a photo. It's a it's a sad sad day when King and Nova no longer share a, an Instagram. Yeah, that would be that was gonna be a tough one trying to have. But after obviously like living together that's easy, but then moving it's like oh that's that's tough. So, so going on record on the podcast for everybody to hear, can I have King and Nova, and can I make it a King page? Yeah, go ahead, definitely. Cool, because I feel I have a feeling you could get the followers back pretty quickly on a new page. I might have a little bit of trouble. Yeah, probably can't just cause just cause the puppy. Everyone loves seeing puppies, so I definitely have a a good jump with that one. So, all right, cool. King's pretty photogenic, though. You got to admit. No, definitely photogenic. So we'll see. Hopefully, Apollo. Uh, I feel like either Apollo's gonna be very photogenic or just gonna be like that one who's just. That just looks crazy in the photos, but at least if he does that, it'll be funny. Do you want to do some heart to heart? Mm-hmm. Let's, Let's do it. Do it. <clears throat> For the final time, we are going to go through and read some of these Venmo questions. Um, once again, thank you to Venmo for being, you know, an awesome sponsor. Uh, this is the first podcast that Venmo has worked with, so thank you for you know, believing in us and, and sharing in our vision. And thank you for giving, you know, us a chance to give money away to our listeners. Cause you know, it means a lot and we love our listeners and, uh, you know, thank you. Yep. Definitely special, special shout out to Venmo. Um, you know, the great, great partner, uh, you know, just like you said, being able to give back to, to our listeners, which is definitely, you know, something that we've always wanted to do. Um, and it's a great partnership in general. So we're definitely cool. very thank you know thankful for for that partnership. Um, Sean Blorky, yo, shout out to Sean Blorky. This man's been asking a lot of questions, and I and I love it. Um, Josh and Matt, what were your guys' favorite NBA playoff series that you remember the most growing up? 
Um, for me, it was probably I gotta say D Wade's '06 Finals, obviously, because D Wade, my you know, was my favorite player. So that '06 run that he had was crazy to watch. What else was good? Uh, Bron, I mean, Bron and the Celtics. You know that. You know, I, it's hard to pick one of those series just because they were um they were just all good uh that's tough probably the last the cavaliers the, you know when 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 cleveland won the first one i think it was 16 i want to say you know that you know that finals with going to state was crazy so I, I was surprised to say one of those three yeah um i liked uh, I liked Spurs Heat when Ray Allen hit that corner mm-hmm. three as he just stepped back and knew exactly where the line was. And I think that was that was also the, the year that Danny Green kind of got off, I think. I forget what year that series was, but it went to seven, right? Yep. That was a great series. Um, that was probably one of my favorites. I know the, the Mavs had some great Western Conference battles during the Dirk, the Dirk heyday. Um, I'm also a big playoff Rondo guy. If if you're not a playoff Rondo fan, uh, you know he, he uh, I don't like you. Playoff Rondo, <laughs> he, that that's the guy. Playoff though. I actually really liked I like that Pels uh, Blazers series where mm-hmm. the Pels brought the brooms out, and Drew yeah. was just cooking. Drew was killing. Doe was having twenty assist games. Um, AD was going off. It was just, that was a, a a crazy series. So yeah, that was dope. Um, <clears throat> Connor Smith wants to know what's the hardest part about balancing NBA player Josh Hart and personal life Josh Hart. Um. Hmm. I don't know. I'll probably just say, uh, you know, there's always so much personal life Josh Hart can do. Um, obviously. No, like I'm, you know, I'm always on the road, um, you know. I mean, that now is a perfect example. Yeah, now you know we're, you know, on a eight eight nine day road trip. You know, it's Christmas Eve. You know, personal life, Josh Hart. I would love to be with my family in the house, relaxing, chilling, just kind of having good family time. But you know, because of NBA Josh Hart, you know, instead of doing that, I'm sitting by myself in a hotel room. So. Um, you know, this kind of, you know, it's, it's tough, but, um, you know, I can't, I can't complain, you know, too much. I, you know, I love basketball. Uh, you know, we get, you know, we get compensated very well <laughs> to play a game. So, I mean, we, there's no, you're not never going to hear me complain about, uh, you know, about that. But I mean, sometimes it's, sometimes it's tough because you just want to be with, you know, with family, with loved ones. Yeah. And I think this, you know, this time next year when you have a little devil child running around the house, you'll probably appreciate the quiet time in the hotel rooms, as KCP oh, would I, would would allude to. Yeah, whenever I whenever I have, you know, the the kids running around the house, I'll definitely be. I definitely will look at these eight day road trips. They're totally different. <laughs> um, let's do one more. Let's see. Uh, Josh, no lines same amount of time to get to and both in the away city that you're playing in 
What are you choosing for that fried chicken sandwich, Chick-fil-A or Popeye's? Um, I'm going to go I'm going to go with Chick-fil-A. Um Chick-fil-A, I mean Chick-fil-A is that that's the sandwich for me, you know, cuz uh, you go there <clears throat> I always get um the regular Chick-fil-A sandwich, get the spicy Chick-fil-A sandwich, the Chick-fil-A sauce. Um the fry the fries are pretty good. They're not amazing, but they're good. Um <clears throat> the chocolate shake is fire i think the chocolate shake puts it over the top so i'm go- I'm going with that i had the popeye's sandwich once and it was fire but i mean you know th- that that's the only time i had it because they kept running out i don't know how you are a um a restaurant you just consistently just keep running out of um you know one of the main attractions that's on the menu so i don't really understand that so no, they get a negative for that, so I'll probably say Chick-fil-A. I'm going to throw a wild card in there, too. I'm a big Chicken no, Shack guy. No, no. Big Chicken Shack guy. Have you given it a chance? I have. It's just not even close to either. Damn. Like, if you're going to sit there and say, oh, like, I'll go I to Shake Shack for a burger, without a doubt, Shake Shack has the best burgers on the planet. But I've never had one. If you look, uh, you go... That's like that's like me I going get to that's like me going to Popeye or me going to Chick Fil A and saying yeah can I get the tur- the turkey sandwich like <laughs> no like po- like Popeyes like like or K- Kentucky Fried Chicken like you go there and you get like turkey like that, that's that's essentially what you're doing. Damn. I love the chicken shack, bro. I think I think you, I think you need to put some more respect on on the chicken shack's name. It's it's just it's solid. It's, <laughs> it, it's I don't know, I, it's like third, I guess, in chicken sandwiches. Okay, behind that's not those bad. two. If I mean, and I only know three ones, so technically it's in last place. So, well, when you put the canes tenders on the sandwich with the fries and the cane sauce and the coleslaw on one, and you eat that, that's pretty fire too. I did have I had it once. It was good. Do you want to give away some money for the last time this year? Yeah, for the last time. So Merry Christmas. This is our last Venmo giveaway. Um you know, for for the season. Um so shout out to Rachel Arison. Congrats. Right, we ended the year with a with an easy pronunciation. I love it. Easy pronunciation. Congrats to Rachel. Uh, Merry Christmas. Um, happy holidays. Don't definitely don't spend all this money in one place. But if, <laughs> but if or do. but if you yeah or if you do, you know what? I kind of wonder. You know, whoever you know, if we have you know for some of our past winners and Rachel, you're obviously included in this. I would love to see like like what did you guys spend like some of the money on like. Did you get like holiday gifts with somebody where you just like, nah, I'm gonna put this in the bank and just save it? I'm kind of curious to see what, you know, some of our winners done. So, you ever watch uh, Shark Tank? Um, I don't know, maybe when I was like, maybe like years okay. ago. All right, well, they do this thing where like they show like where our winners like five months later, like with their businesses and stuff. Yeah. You see like one of our one of our Venmo winners like rolling around in a drop top. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, but I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious. All right. So, any winners, if y'all are comfortable with letting us know what y'all did, definitely. I'm definitely uh, 
tweet at Interested. us. So. Um, well, yeah. again, I, I, bittersweet, but for the, the last and final time, tell us who we got. Tell us about this episode. What can the fans expect? This one's different for sure. You know, people who know wine or know about wine or love wine and et cetera. Um, you know, obviously there's sommeliers, which are when you go to a restaurant and, you know, they, they have a, you know, sommelier there and they kind of help, you know, pair uh, a wine from the wine list to, <clears throat> you know, whatever you're eating. So the the lady we have, Vanessa Conlin, who is head of wine at Wine Access is a master of wine candidate. You know, we're here back in February, so we're in suspense. But, um, you know, for you guys that don't know, you know, master of wine is like one of the highest, um, you know, accomplishments, you know, you can have in the wine industry. So that's that's what she does. So, um, you know, she Isn't can. Like 50, there's like, what, 300 worldwide? I think like 390 roughly worldwide, only like 50 in the States. Um, you know, it takes anyone that, if you, if you want to get a better glimpse of what a Psalm is, go on Netflix. Um, there's three different Psalms, Psalm 1, 2, and 3. And it goes through <clears throat> the process of, you know, some, you know, people getting a master Psalm. And, you know, the process that those people have to go through are crazy. There's, a written part, there's a taste testing part where you have to taste the different wines, um, you know, t say what you taste in it, talk about the acidity, um, you know, kind of say what Tannins. region is from, you know, the vintage and all that without knowing anything about the wine. So that's a master, ma that's a master psalm. So what she is, she's higher than that. So she had, for to get that, for like the tasting, it's like a 36 different kind of wine, you know, just kind of blind tasting of 36 different wines. So, um, you know, needless to say, it takes a lot of studying, a lot of knowledge, a lot of time and effort to become uh, a, you know, master of wine. So that's who we have today on the podcast. Like I said, she's the head of wine at Wine Wine Access, which was actually, a, you know, a wine distribution company that I partner with and that, you know, has a, um, a great array of different, you know, different kind of wines at all different price points. You know, I think we talk about it here. The stigma of wine is, you know, for it to be a really good wine, it has to be a, you know, 100, 200 plus dollar bottle, which is, you know, totally nonsense. It's, you know, some of my favorite bottles of wine are, you know, 30, 40 dollars. Um, so I'm very excited to, uh, you know, let you guys into the world of wine and, um, we're definitely going to, uh, you know, have this podcast again, um, probably next summer, you know, season two on, on a hillside in Napa. Yeah, on the hillside of Napa. We on definitely, Hill. <laughs> yeah, we would definitely both be a little bit more, um, wine drunk than we were in this episode, but, um, well, no, it's definitely a cool episode just, you know, with my love of wine, with your love of wine. Um, and, you know, our listeners, you know, it's a great, um, great episode to just kind of learn about something new. And, um, you know, anyone can learn about wine. Anyone can have a taste, uh, you know, for wine. So I definitely got, definitely hope you guys enjoy it.
Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, wine can be intimidating. There's a lot of questions. Sometimes you don't know where to start. Um, our goal with this episode was for us to sound dumb so you guys don't have to, and for us to ask all the questions that you might be thinking, um, and for you guys to really get a crash course into the world of, of wine. And, you know, this episode isn't quite as like individually focused on Vanessa and her journey. We talk, you know, a little bit about it, but it's really just a crash course into wine and the different types and the different regions and what to, what to smell for and like all that stuff. So, you know, I learned a lot. And uh, I, th I think, you know, if there's anybody out there who's even remotely interested, I think I think you'll find this really interesting. Yeah. If, or if you just like, you know, wine and like to drink, you know, definitely feel free to, you know, learn about wine. Hey, make sure you pull a cork while you listen. Definitely. So and, and, the, and tweet at us and mention us on Instagram with a yeah. picture of the bottle that you're exactly. drinking. Exactly. Let us know what let us know what kind of wine you're drinking to to this episode. So. I guess with that said, um, I'm going to save my 07 St. Eden Har uh, bond for tomorrow night so I can drink alone in my room for Christmas. <laughs> um, so that's Lovely. what I'll be drinking if anyone's wondering what I'll be drinking. But with that said, um, now here is the last lighthearted podcast episode presented by Venmo. Um, of the year and of season one with Nessa Conlin and have fun with it toast to you know to lighthearted podcast what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of the lighthearted podcast presented by Venmo I am your host Josh Hart my co-host brother business person manager I'll take whatever you want to say all of it multifaceted you know Multi Matt Hume is here um, and then we have an extraordinary guest you know switch it up you've really special. been challenging you yourself been, with the adjectives you know, I've lately. been trying I've been trying um, master of wine Vanessa Conlon so you, you look at me. I was, I was, you master maybe, of Wine candidate. I get the news in candidate. February. Okay, so. Master of Wine Yeah, knock on wood. For those of us who, who don't really know what that is, explain explain what Master of Wine is. So it's um, one of the um, highest credentials you can get in the wine industry. So it's um, there's in the United States, there's only about 55. Um, so hopefully be, you know, number 56 Six. in February. Mm -hmm. So How many globally? Globally, probably three hundred and something. I don't have the I don't have the exact current figures, but yeah, it's it's a it's the hardest and the best thing I've ever done. Wow, three eighty nine when I Google last night. Three eighty nine. Three eighty nine. Thank you. Who, who is like the sort of like the institute that that gives this out? So is his name Tom? The Institute of the Master Wine. Um, they're based in the UK. Uh. Yeah. So it's um there's no classes or anything like that. Like basically the the syllabus is like here, just know everything and you kinda go off and learn it and it's then you very broad. show up and take the exam. <laughs> it's broad. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say it's broad. Yeah. So kind of tell the people what a psalm is for those that don't know or didn't watch the Netflix documentary one, two or three. Um of Psalm, just kind of let them know what exactly a yeah. Psalm is or a massive wine is. So, um, so there's actually two programs. There's the Court of Master Sommeliers and then the Master of Wine, and they're both, you know, equally sort of the the highest level you can achieve, but they just have a slightly different focus. So, sommelier is, you know, someone who um, 
is in charge of the wine list, like the wine director at a at a, at a restaurant. Um, and there's a service element to the ma- to the master sommelier program because of that. Master of wine doesn't have any service, so it's sort of geared like, do you, are you pursuing a life in restaurants? Or are you pursuing a life sort of a, a wine life uh, in another? Uh, you know, another area. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's what I did, but, but they're both, you're both expected to know, you know, globally kind of really obscure facts about every <laughs> wine region, <laughs> um, producer style, you know, and then obviously be able to blind taste. So when we say blind tasting, we're not actually blindfolded. Um, but you know, just pick up a glass and by what you see, what you smell, what you taste, be able to identify, you know, the vintage, mm-hmm. the region, the variety of varieties and how it was made, the quality level. Wow. So. It's, I mean, this is an exciting episode for us because all, all of you guys out there who, who have been listening, like we've talked about wine on every episode mm-hmm. and, you know, we know a little bit. Um, and, I wouldn't and say a little a, bit. A little like bit a, is probably a microscopic, reaching, yeah, a microscopic, microscopic amount. Oh, don't sell yourself and, short. Um, but we talk about it a lot. We and, talk about it a lot. And uh, I mean, I think it's it's only right that we that we actually have a, a real educated, you know, yeah. conversation on it for our guests. So like I was always... Um, I wasn't self-conscious about like my wine knowledge, like when I, cause like obviously I got into wine more and more in like like last year probably. So it's like one, there's there's it's one so much to learn, especially like when you just learn it for like just started drinking it for you, you know yeah. nothing really. So I had dinner uh, with with Will Harlan, and he was just telling me about oh you know there's. I don't know, half a million uh, different wineries or vendors or whatever, and each mm-hmm. of them come out with, uh, you know, di- obviously different vintages, obviously with different years, but different, you know, styles, you know, come out with reds, whites, Merlots, cabs, blends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, when you think about it that way, so there's like, say there's a half a million vendors and then, or wineries, whatever, and then each of them come out with like four bottles a year. And then, like, just think of, like, how many bottles a year that is total. So it's almost impossible to just know everything about it. So I was like, you know what? That makes me feel better. He was, yeah. like, he was going, I was like, right, there's true. no way. He was like, some people, some master of the wines or some, like, level three psalms or master psalms, whatever it is. Um, like, some they argue if, like, a, a bottle of wine was, like, corked or not like decanted or not so i'm like oh wait if they can argue with that it makes me feel a little oh, bit oh that's one of the things i love about wine because you can never know everything yeah, you know yeah. it just makes you realize how much you don't know the more you learn and i feel and a lot of it's kind of like personal palate too because like you could like something that's totally different to me and like you could have like a favorite wine i'm like oh really well my yeah. favorite wine is this so it's like i feel like there's no, i want to say there's never a wrong answer a wrong choice for like when it right. comes to wine but like you have a wide range of uh, exactly. wide margin of error. Well, say. another thing I love about Hard wine is that, and you know, I used to be a musician. I was a singer, and um, which I learned. I find <laughs> I don't know how I just figured that Google. out. Google, um, <laughs> no, but there's I find that there's a lot of similarities actually with mm. like enjoying wine or tasting wine and like listening to music because like it's something you enjoy with your senses, and we could be sitting here like listening to the same song or drinking the same bottle and like I'm going to experience it differently than you will than Mm -hmm. you will and we all might have a different like sensory experience um and you know they're all going to be different so I think 
for people sort of who are new entering the space, like you hear about all of these like, incredibly educated people who, mm-hmm. you know, smell their wine and can pick up different like fruits in it and stuff. Yeah. And it, it can be like a little bit intimidating. A little Absolutely. bit. It can be yeah. very, it can be very <laughs> yeah. intimidating. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of, I mean, that was why uh, a big reason why we wanted to bring you on is because like we wanted to like not demystify it, but we want to help like translate and, and make it a little bit easier for like our listeners to understand. Cause we like, we're, I mean, we're still in, in that point, you know, I mean, there's people who, who know less than we do. Well, yeah. the most important thing is to just try things, you know, yeah. because again, everyone's palate is different and, um, you know, you can know a lot or you can know a little, but it's just not going to change what you enjoy. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I can, as a, let's say, you know, using the master of wine tasting technique, I can, um, assess a quality level in a wine and sort of take my opinion out of it. But like also as a consumer, I still have personal preferences too. So, mm-hmm. you know, the most important thing is really just like drink broadly. Don't be afraid to ask questions, try a lot of things. You know, that's what I love talking with you because you always have a bunch of questions and sometimes I'm like, wow, I haven't <laughs> really thought about that. That's a very or like, nice way to say, yeah, because you're kind of <laughs> slow with this wine stuff. <laughs> no. So you got a lot of questions. No, no, but uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. I don't think I ever asked this question to like, Assam or MW candidate, MW, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, but do you think, do you think you can be born with that, like with those kind of gifts or you think you can pick it up? Cause like people ask like, oh, do you, for like basketball players or athletes yeah. or, you know, business people, something like, oh, I was just born with, it. I was just born with like a competitive nature, you mm-hmm. know, on the, or I'll, you know, born with God-given, like, right. ability to be, like, 6'6 six, six and, like, athletic. And it's like, oh, you could probably, you'd be yeah. good at basketball. 6'6, six, six, bro? 6'5. Six, <laughs> you know, I was just trying to hype it a little bit. Hey, <laughs> Yeah, she's. Um, with shoes. But, yeah, with shoes. You know, with shoes, shoes on, with you know, I'd be good at 6'6. Six, six. But do you think that's something that you can pick up? Or is it really, like, you got it? Because, like, you have to, like, you have, like, once you, like, you smell it and you smell 14 different things and then, like, you... Someone asked me, I'm like, what do you smell? I smell grapes. Like, that's yeah. like. No, it's a great question. So I think that you can. Um, I think like anything, if you're going to be sort of like the top of your field, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to be in the NBA or you're going to try to be a, a master summer, a master wine, like you do have to have some sort of innate talent. You know, mm-hmm. like this is something that, you know, and I didn't know, I didn't grow up with wine. So I didn't even know that I had this ability to blind taste until I was already, you know, like in my, in my late twenties. But um, like, that's, that's something that, that I just have a knack for and I didn't, you know, and then I honed it more, but I think that anyone can get better. And like when I was first starting studying, you know, same thing. I was like, wow, I can think of maybe like two things to say about this wine, but Mm -hmm. these other people are coming up with like 10 descriptors. And I would just go around like the farmer's market and literally like pick up every single thing and just smell it, you know, cause like I grew up with stuff, like my mother was a, you know, a terrible cook and we had like three meals that we would rotate during the week. So I didn't have a really like broad sensory experience Mm -hmm. for like different, you know, different um, fruits or vegetables or flowers or spices, but that's something you can definitely do. Like just go in your kitchen cabinet and like open up all your spices and just start to Start yeah. to smell and get a sense memory. So if, yes, you, you can you can definitely okay. get better. I think to cool. be at the top, you know, like I could I could practice my whole life. I'm never gonna be able to play basketball. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> some yeah. sort of combination. It's a combination, right. yeah. But, but it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Totally. Yeah. So if someone has like a really refined palate and they're able to to you know taste different wine and understand, is that yeah. is it generally the same for food? Like, does that mean that they can pick up flavors and like different foods really they, they well? They say too? people are like super tasters yeah. who just have that ability. Now, I'll say though, like for me, blind tasting, a lot of part of the exam um, for passing the MW tasting exam was it was you know aromas, flavors, but like there's something that I call a palate shape, which is like wines, different wines actually feel 
different on your palate. Like the like acidity in wine feels different. Like this acidity in Sauvignon Blanc has this kind of like jagged edge to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the acidity on Chenin Blanc has this like rounded edge and it kind of like comes to uh, you slowly, whereas Sauvignon Blanc, your mouth is like instantly watering. Yeah. So there's like different things like textures and shapes that, that helped me learn how to identify wines yeah. blind. Did we lose you guys yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the one thing that makes me feel like a lot, at least a good a portion of it is, it is natural born is like mm-hmm. you hear about a lot of like winemakers and stuff who don't, who have like careers and yeah. then they don't even discover wine until they're like 30 Absolutely. and then they just kill it. Like when, yeah. we, when we did the tasting at Bevan, Bevan. and he was talking about Russell Bevan, yeah. they're like, he started really late, but his palate is just crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And again, you wouldn't like, you wouldn't necessarily know that until yeah. you start tasting. Yeah. Yeah. So it gives everyone hope. It gives, it gives me hope. Yeah. I, I still feel like I can be a master of wine, which I would never. Would, we were, uh, which I'm not. So we all be. had dinner last night, and, and I heard you saying that you were going to go trying to get your, your level psalm. One, level one psalm. I'll get that. Level two, debatable, depending on how much studying I have to do. You know, I did my four years. I got my degree. I am very, very happy with that, and very content with that. So um, I always told myself I would never open another textbook but i might For do this, something with like why yeah no, but i can do if i can get level one or maybe level two like i am good for yeah. like I'm, I'm good yeah. like i don't i don't want anything over that yeah but like i can just say like i want to ask oh you like why i'm a level two psalm i don't want to brag so, yeah enough, i like but, wine. yeah so you know <laughs> what what does that what does that look like that 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 test to get the level one certification well i did the wine and spirit education trust so it's not the um the Guild of Sommeliers. Mm. But so, you know, you have to be able to answer questions about regions and winemaking techniques and viticulture. And, you know, to, to do level one, you don't have to do any blind tasting. So, okay. yeah. I already checked there, you know. Okay. I'm good. So when are we doing this? We're doing I actually teach WSET, so, you know. Really? Yeah, yes. Bro. So we're going to, in the summer, we're going to go up to Napa for like a good week. Do a private class. We're going okay. to yep. yeah, do a private class. The wines we taste are going to be a little bit higher level than when you normally take yeah. that, yeah, exactly. make that class. So we'll do that. <laughs> and then, you know, when we're not in class, we're just going to drink our way through Napa. Okay. That's, that's what one does. That's, that sounds like a plan. Napa. That mm-hmm. sounds, I mean, doesn't really get much yeah. better than that. Uh, I, I love... See, I love, because if you're like a psalm mm-hmm. or you're a massive wine mm-hmm. or, you know, you're in that industry, like, you can get away with drinking wine whenever Any you want. Like, cause it's like, because yes. it's your, your profession. Like, no it's one's like gonna, you playing basketball. Yeah, no one's going to tell me, oh, you're playing basketball too much. Like, yeah. people would be like, oh, no, you need to be in the gym more, which all the Twitter trolls always tell me. Well, your palate anyway. is freshest in so, the morning. So exactly. it's actually so the best time to taste wine is you can get away with drinking wine at nine in the morning. It's a breakfast wine. Ten in wine. the morning. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is there anything like specific? Like, is there a specific breakfast wine? Because like you said that to me the other day, and I was like, I was like so lost. I was like, does that mean like <laughs> she just bring like like is is there just wine for breakfast or like <laughs> is there actual like oh no this is an actual breakfast wine? No, that's whatever you want it to be. But my breakfast wine is champagne. Okay, I yeah. was just wondering because like you know like there's ports which are dessert wines, and then you have champagne bread, well, champagne, whatever it's it like is. what's better to start the day you know like just opening a bottle like that sound is just sexy right like you just started That's your day point. in a romantic way there's bubbles um it's celebratory it has high acidity so it like wakes up your palate yeah. and your, your palate's fresh in the morning and champagne is like generally thought of as like what you want to start kind of like a meal yeah, with tasting wise so it's like double start a meal and end a meal with it because mm-hmm. you know you start it like it primes your palate like your mouth's watering and at the end of the meal you're kind of like tired you've had all these different flavors and so it's like a really clean way just to end the meal nice okay. so 
I'm sure a lot of people that watch, you know, or listening are not level one psalms or level two psalms. I feel like most of them drink wine because they like the taste of wine. Right? I mean, that's about it. Keeps me in business. So, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> so let's just like start with like the, I'm, I'm just trying to like get into the different, mm-hmm. obviously there's whites and there's reds, but mm-hmm. then there's a broad spectrum of each or whatever. So just kind of talk about like the beginning stages of wine, what goes into making wine, sure. what goes into, because um, obviously there's, you know, tannins, there, mm-hmm. you, know, you got to talk about the acidity and, and all that. So just kind of. And what makes a wine what makes a good wine. versus not good or yeah. expensive versus not expensive. Well, I mean. The land, all that. Something that um, a lot of people, you know, when you hear these descriptors are like, oh, I smell blueberry or mocha or, you know, pipe tobacco. Like there's nothing in wine other than grapes. Mm-hmm. So all those things that we so pick up on. if you say on, I smell grapes, you're automatically correct. You are yeah. 100% correct. Soft, so you will never soft. be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I know. You I got always got that, that in the right? back pocket. Check that off. Um, but yeah, that's something a lot of people are like, I mean, I understandably, they're like, well, how do you get the chocolate in the wine? Like, no, it's like, <laughs> you know, something, things that happen either in the vineyard, um, where it was grown in the winemaking process or in the maturation. So for instance, a lot of these like spices we talk about come from uh, maturation in oak barrels. When we talk about like vanilla or toast or mocha or some of these like clove baking spices that's actually from from the maturation process but I mean there's really nothing more natural than than wine it's just grapes you know and um, yeast eating the sugar in the grapes the byproducts are alcohol and co2 mm-hmm. so in the most simplest terms if you're making a still wine you allow the co2 to escape you've got a still wine you know sparkling wines you're retaining the co2 inside the bottle um, and that's really it. And then there's also fortified wines. So that's wines with spirit added. So that's like port, sherry, Madeira. Um, and those are the, the three basic categories. So like, you know, sparkling, still fortified. And then there's like sweet wines, which have residual sugar, but, but aren't fortified. Yeah. Because um, when we went to, um, I think it was at Bond, Scott kept saying like, maybe it was someone else, but he kept saying, we want like the land to be the champion. Like the, the land yeah. will, mm-hmm. you know, do it. Like we're, we're, we're only here to just kind of like cultivate. And I thought that was interesting. It, like, yeah. There's so much of an emphasis on like, like the real estate in Napa is like super competitive. And if you have a good plot that like yep. is on an angle or hits the sun in a certain way, like you hold on to that. Absolutely. I mean, that's people say like winemaking, it starts in the vineyard, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, cause you can like, you can make a bad wine from a great site, but you can't make a great wine from a bad site. So it's really, it's all about the land and then there's different things, you know, aspect, like, is it on a hillside can, can affect it? Like what's the drainage What's the soil type? Um, lots of different, lots of different mm-hmm. things yeah. go into it, but it all has to start in the vineyard. No, I was going to say, like, with that, like, kind of, can you explain, because obviously, you know, vintage by vintage, Mm -hmm. you know, taste varies. Yes. And 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 there's so many different components that go into that, you know, weather, you know, if, you know, if it was a a dry harvest or, or, I don't want to. I was gonna say moist, but people people hate the word <laughs> yeah. moist. So and also for those of you guys who might be who might not know, a vintage is synonymous for the word year, yeah. essentially in the, the wine year world, that right? it's harvested. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so, exactly. Um, no, could you just talk about what goes into the, because I mean, with most drinks, you know, if I drink a Gatorade today or if I drink a Gatorade right. next year, like if I drink the same flavor, you know, it's gonna taste the exact same. Right. Right. But if you drink a a 04 Harlan and you drink an 05 Harlan, like yep. it's gonna taste, like it could taste totally different. Yes. So just kind of explain well, what goes into that process. It's exactly why. like you said. I mean, some things are made to have a, a consistency, like, you know, soda or Gatorade mm-hmm. or any number of, you know, products. But, but because this is harvested in one year, it's like a perfect little snapshot of 
that year uh, in the bottle. So, you know, to your point, like it could be a rainy year, it could be mm. a dry year. Some yield, some um, years have lower uh, yields, so they don't have as many grapes to, mm -hmm. to even harvest. So sometimes mm -hmm. it actually affects the su supply and demand of that year. And then each of them will have kind of a different personality. And some people like certain vintages, um, better than others. Like I really like the um, like the ten vintage in Bordeaux is one of my favorites, right? But some people might like say like, oh, I like the 09 vintage because it's yeah. a little like riper and more open. So it really is. It's fascinating. It's it can feel really overwhelming at yeah. first, um, but yeah, it's I think what makes it what makes it really fascinating. What were like the conditions in in, in Bordeaux in 2010 that that made for a vintage that you really enjoyed? So it was like a wet a kind of wet spring. It was like a perfect vintage basically, a lot like the 16. Yeah. So it was like kind of a wet spring. And and then like a long, warm, dry summer. So like we, we talk about weather events. So that would be like something bad happening, like mm -hmm. rain during harvest or hail during flowering. Like yeah. it, none of that happened. So it just had this like really long, beautiful hang time. So when we talk about hang time, that's literally how long, you know, the, the grapes are on the vine before mm -hmm. they're harvested. And generally we think like a long hang time can be good. You know, too long could be bad. You get yeah. like overripe or raisinated. But to have that long, even time, it allows like all the sugars to develop in the grape, um, but without losing the acidity. So if you have like big heat spikes or, you know, cool, it can you, those things can kind of yeah. get out of balance. But when it's just a nice evening, like everything kind of works together really harmoniously. Yeah. And as far as like Napa goes, like if we're going to um, use Napa caps, for yeah. example, because I'd imagine a lot of our listeners are probably more so familiar with those than mm -hmm. most other wines. What What is like the perfect vineyard site like what makes for the most ideal conditions aside from weather you know it's it's actually kind of a personal preference yeah. because napa actually has some really varied topography so we've got like the valley floor mm -hmm. and then we've got some intense hillsides like you know Howell mountain we've got vineyards up like you know 1800 feet elevation yeah. and even higher so it kind of depends like i love mountain i love hillside yeah. vineyards and like high elevations like yeah. Howell mountain is my jam but um <laughs> but some people really love like valley floor it's just it's just a personal yeah. preference uh -huh. yeah do you have a preference? Um, probably hillside. Hillside, definitely hillside. I think. Did we go to a hill, one of the hillside vineyards? That's a Colgan. Colgan. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that, that, would take, that in Harlan is yeah. kind of technically be hillside vineyards, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because Pritchard Hill. Yeah. And then Harlan just kind of on like a little hill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I want to. I know we're going to be doing like some wine tasting a little bit, yeah. but I want to chat about wine access because yes. I think you have the best job in the world, I do. pretty much. I, I um, feel like I do. So, <laughs> and obviously, um, for those you get, for those of you that guys that don't know, you've probably heard Josh mention wine access on a couple episodes. Um, their partners. Um, what is wine access, and what do you do there? Because it looks incredible. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, so I'm the head of wine for Wine Access, and Wine Access is a national ecom direct-to-consumer wine retailer. So we have um, we have members in 44 states, um, and my job is to lead a team of people who go out. We like scour the world for the best wines mm -hmm. that we can find, uh, and then we write about them. So essentially, you know, our job is to connect people in place through wine. So we go. We're talking to the winemakers. We're meeting with the vintners. We're going to the vineyards, and then writing all original content about like what we really love about that wine, describing it. You know, we write all of our own tasting notes. So yeah. every single wine that we offer for sale is something that we've tasted and approved. And one thing, and a lot of you guys know me and know, you know, a lot of times when I, you know, want to partner, right. perfect. When I want to, like when I, I don't want to say when I want to, when I, you know, a, able to partner with, you know, just different brands, you know, for me is always about what's organic and what's about and, and, and the genuine kind of relationship. 
Um, and the thing I really liked about Wine Access, we'll let the MOW candidate, uh, you know, pop that on. But um, on, finish what you're saying, and then as you open it, I want you to just to tell them about sort of okay. Dakota Shire. But yeah, yeah, sorry, keep going. I have two. Words. I know. Okay. Um, dang, where was I going? I oh yeah, the thing I like, you know, like about Wine Access because the stigma or a lot of people believe like, oh, you know. To have a really good wine, like it has to be like over, you know, oh, I ha it has to be like a hundred dollars, or it has right. to be like five hundred or eight hundred or whatever. Like that's a really, really good bottle of wine. But you guys don't, you know, push those. Like you go on Wine Access and there's a twenty-five dollar Bordeaux all, that all you guys points. that yeah. you rave about. Sure. So just kind of, like that's one thing why I talk, and it's also kind of to tell the people like it's, you know, a bottle of wine doesn't have to be three figures, doesn't have yeah. to be four figures to be really good. You can have a twenty-five dollar bottle of wine. It, it could be one of your best wines you ever had so. right no we offer all price points so like 12.99 mm -hmm. up to you know two thousand dollars whatever mm -hmm. you know whatever you want yeah. we've, we've got it but um yeah I, th I think um like my job is really to be an advocate for the consumer yeah so you know we're taking the like the fear the guesswork out of like oh am i gonna like this am i not gonna like it because yeah. we, we i taste everything we mm -hmm. write about it i'll yeah. tell you exactly and so you can read it and say like oh that sounds like something i'd like or that isn't something i'd like but we've got something for you if it's not yeah. that and then we actually have we call them like the nordstrom of customer service so it's also you know shopping i mean people Shopping online is like what everyone does now, but I think like people are still getting used to buying wine that way because yeah. you can't taste it. Mm -hmm. But we have a, like no questions asked. Like if you were like, "Hey, I don't, just, I just, just, I just don't like this," we're like, "No problem. You have a credit on your account." So yeah, I like how you guys uh, send like a little insert with all of the wine too, because yes. like for someone like me, and I would imagine other people listening who don't really know much about wine, like I'm getting this bottle, but then I'm also getting this piece of paper that tells me like where it's from, how long to decant it for, what temperature to keep it at, what you should pair what I'm supposed it with, yeah, right, right. And you you do all of that. My team, well, your team and I does do all that. that? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we do that together. Yeah. Three dope. Yeah. So what do we have here? Okay, so I brought um, today. So this is it's a half bottle um, of 2017 vintage. The winery is called Dakota Shy. It's Cabernet Sauvignon, and um, I wanted to feature this because it has a really. Here, I should be pouring while I'm talking. Yeah. Uh, really unique story. So Todd Newman is the founder of this winery, and uh, he, uh, like me, did not grow up in a, a wine family. So he's from South Dakota. And um, came out to Napa like one year just to like work in a restaurant called Martini House, which is now closed, sadly, up in St. Helena and just like make tip money. Yeah. And so he said he was like, you know, working in the restaurant and he would overhear these people talking about like, you know, making wine or like being in the vineyards. And he's like, oh, I'm a farm boy. Like, I didn't realize that like so much about wine is actually like farming. Yeah. It's not all like this glamorous, you know, mm -hmm. and he thought I just want to I want to learn about that. I want to do that. And so he like saved his tip money for years and founded this winery um, called Dakota Shy. Wow. So, That's yeah. I feel like you hear not a lot of stories like that, but stories where people go to Napa, uh, like, kind of like chase, to chase a dream really. And like, yeah. and, and they end up. Can I take a time out of yeah. this? Can we cheers? I'm trying, I want to, I want to drink this. Tell us, um, you know, what, what we should be kind of looking for and, and the notes and stuff like that. So, um, so this is still pretty youthful wine. Yeah. So I get, we, when we talk about, um, Tasting wine, there's primary, which is literally like the variety. Um, secondary would be the winemaking, and tertiary would be the maturation. So this mm. is pr still pretty youthful. So I'm just getting like primary and secondary. Um, so I get a lot of like, like red and black fruit, like mm. black cherry. <laughs> you I'm, I'm, so, no, I'm just so happy. Like yes, this is the moment I've been waiting for. <laughs> like black cherry, yeah. um, blackberry. Um, there's like a little red currant in there too. 
And then I do get, you remember we were talking before about oak. You get yeah. that kind of spice. You get that yeah. sort of like clove vanilla spice to it. That's because this was yeah, um, spent some time in, in new French oak barrels. I so thought, that's I the thought they were new, new barrels, not old barrels. Yeah. I, you can yeah. smell it. Pick that up. And then I think you asked about tannin earlier, and we didn't talk about it, but so um, tannins are, are basically what gives red wine um, the color, the structure. Mm-hmm. It, differentiates, it differentiates it from, from white wines. Um, so white wines are generally pressed off the skins and fermented, but red wines are fermented on the skins. And um, tannin is actually, it's not really a taste. They can have kind of a sensory perception as, as a, sometimes as taste, but it's really a tactile sensation. Mm-hmm. It's like even just after one sip, like my, my mouth feels a little dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like if you drink a, like a cup of really strong black tea without any milk in it, and it kind of sucks the moisture out of your yeah. mouth. That's that's the tannins because tannins will attach to proteins. So yeah. literally, it's like attaching to the proteins like on your tongue. Yeah, okay. But that's also why red wines traditionally pair well with something like a steak because mm-hmm. it can kind of cut through the cut through the protein and they yeah. kind of marry together and soften. And then ha- having like a hot, like a lot of tannins is that characteristic of cabs in particular? Or is it more so just like this? Cab, cab is a fairly high yeah. tannin um, uh, variety. I mean, you can do things again, like with longer hang time in the vineyard or like certain things you do in the winery, you can you can soften them or allow them to be more intense, but um, but it's a fairly high yeah. tannin variety. It's a Bordeaux variety, um, Cabernet Sauvignon. So You're yeah. a big, Josh is a big Bordeaux guy. I knew I'm that. Bordeaux. You know, I love Bordeaux. Yeah. And for those of you guys that don't know too, so, so as head of wine at Wine Access, Josh pretty much has Vanessa on speed dial and probably <laughs> oh, texts her oh, 10 a times of, a day yeah, a asking about different it's funny, ones. It's usually late at night. Definitely. <laughs> like, how many bottles right. in are <laughs> Makes it sound like I'm just sitting there, sitting no in my judgment. home, drinking a bottle of wine by myself. But no, I'll, I'll text her this random stuff. Oh, when should I open this? How mm-hmm. long should I decant this? I'm at a restaurant. I love it. I'll take a picture yeah. of the wine list. Well, which one should I get? I'm, one, yep. I'm getting this kind of food. What do you think is paired yeah. well with it? Um, I remember so, we, we were randomly at like a Spanish restaurant and we like, you just texted her a picture of the wine list. Yeah. She's like, I'll get this. I'll get that one. Yeah. 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 And I was, I was happy. Like, well, it wasn't even the most expensive. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Um, it was a Mencia. Yeah. So talk about, because obviously there's different reasons. There's Napa. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, well, and if you like Pinots, Oregon's a big Pinot spot, but right. then there's also, so there's France, there's Bordeaux, there's Burgundy, yep. there's Chepita Pop, 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 whatever. <laughs> that on, yeah, that one that <laughs> I don't know how to say. Um, there's I like Rones, your version better. <laughs> um, then Italy, just, like, there's just so many yeah. different wine regions and all that. Could you just give like a quick rundown on what makes, you know, the wines from those regions different? You know, obviously like like Bordeaux, not Bordeaux, Burgundy, mm-hmm. there's like Pinots, like yep. left bank Bordeaux, the cab base blend, right. right bank is like a more low base blend. Like yep. just kind of talk about. Yeah. Well, quick, um, you see, I'm, pl- I'm playing, yeah. plugging this, like, I'm yeah. trying to get this one, level one time in, man. Well, so so certain varieties, when I say a variety, that means like the, the grape. So, you mm-hmm. know, there's Cabernet Sauvignon, there's Pinot Noir, um, and certain varieties just grow better in different, um, different climates. Mm-hmm. So for instance, Pinot Noir likes a, bit of a cooler climate, whereas mm-hmm. Cabernet Sauvignon likes a bit of a warmer climate. So when we're talking about, let's say, like even Napa and Sonoma, you'll see more Pinot Noir close to the coast in Sonoma, where you'll see more like Cabernet uh, mm-hmm. in Napa because it's further inland. So really, that's a very basic way to, to think of it, but just certain varieties just thrive in, in different climates. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, generally, you don't want a, um, a, a site that's like too hot or too cold. So it's, you can have in the middle, you can have like continental climates or Mediterranean climate, um, et cetera, which are going to be slightly different, but generally you don't, you're not looking for really, really extreme climates for, for the cultivation of, of wine grapes. Yeah. 
I have a random question. So like I love random questions <laughs> in the tech industry. Yeah. There's a lot of cities that, you know, may not be thought of as like powerhouses like mm -hmm. San Francisco or LA or New York, but are like, you know, Austin, for example, is like yep. very much on the come up. Are there any like regions or places in the world that have not like traditionally been thought of as like very respectable wine places, but are like on have a high trajectory right now? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, like they kind of have to have a little natural something there yeah. in terms of like the site. But um, like I just tried a wine from the Canary Islands. The other day, we're gonna wow. we're gonna offer it on wine access, but um, I mean, that's you think you know everything about wine, and then I had to learn like the name of two new varieties that I'd never heard of, yeah, you know, and I've yeah. spent years of my life devoted to this this industry. So definitely, like you'll you'll find stuff like that, um, or even like things like the Sierra foothills, which mm -hmm. um, are you know, a lot of winemakers from Napa, because Napa's essentially planted out. Like there's mm -hmm. no more unless you buy it from buy someone it from else. Someone. You, yeah. you can't just go plant a vineyard anymore. Um, because it's pr uh, the agricultural preserve um, protects that. So a lot of winemakers who are like, wow, I really want to do something different. And there's nothing, there's nothing else I can plant yeah. here. Like they'll, they're going to the, some of these other regions like that. Because so. I know the wine we had last night, it was like the Rothschild family kind of partnered with a, a winery in, in Chile or opened one in Chile. Yes, yeah. Almaviva. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you'll see a lot of that too, like where certain, especially um, a lot of the chateau owners in Bordeaux are investing mm -hmm. in uh, other regions like China. It's actually an, uh, uh, growing a lot of grapes now, um, making a lot of wine. You'll start to see more of that on the U.S. market, I think. Shout um, out Yao. <laughs> Shout out Yao, yeah, really. I, and I think that's the beauty. It's the a nice wine. I've beauty. had it, actually. I yeah, yeah. It. yeah. I it's good. It. I it's very good. Um, I think that's kind of the beauty of wine, just because, like, there's, like you say, there's so much to learn. But, like, you know, in a lot of, you know, a lot of profession, it's just kind of like things are set in stone. Like, it's just kind of like the same thing every day or same thing, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now. But like wine, it's, there's new vineyards popping up every mm -hmm. day. There's a different style. There's just, you know, there's so much new things that come to it. Like you said, you're a master wine. You've been, or a master wine candidate, I thought. We're not going to um, jinx it. Yeah, not going to jinx it. But you've been, you know, working, you know, working with wine all your life. But now you just, you know, Canary Islands just popped up and you're yep. like, oh, wow. Like I never, I never exactly. did any, like never heard of this, never right. tried this, but now I want to, you know, now I'm trying it. Yeah. So I think that's kind of like the beauty of it yeah. because like no matter what, there's always something popping up. I might make a, I don't know, winery in Cuba one day yeah. and people are like, oh, wow, yeah. you know, a Cuban winery. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, I think like too, like your, your guys' partnership is particularly cool and like innovative on both sides because you, you know, for an NBA player are expressing, you know, a ton of interest in red wine and yeah. you guys, you know, understand how fused these two cultures are becoming. Yeah, um, So I, I want to hear from your perspective, like red wine has kind of been like sweeping the league. Mm -hmm. And I, I've said this on past episodes, but I think if you look at like team planes, like 10 to 15 years ago, dudes were like, Wiling out drinking Henny, like <laughs> Henny, but now it's like you know people are like passing around a nice a nice red. Mm -hmm. so talk about like you know wine culture within the NBA and 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 yeah, what it means for like teams and stuff. It's cool, and I think that's a reason why you see a lot of like younger guys kind of getting into wine. Like myself, I'm 24, about to be 25, and I'm I'm like in you know I like wine, and I go to Napa. People see me, I'm like the youngest guy there, and people like they're just like so happy that like someone like my age like has like this fascination yeah. about wine, yeah. and so like. Everyone's kind of like they be helping me out. Know, they be like, "Oh yeah, no, try this or, oh da 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 da." So um, it's kind of to my benefit. But um, I think you know you have certain guys that really drove, like Kemba Love, LeBron, um, Rondo loves wine, uh, Jimmy Butler, JJ Redick. You know a lot of those guys really love wine. But you see that kind of starting to trickle down. Like even on my team, like I love wine. JJ Redick loves wine. Like we'll bring wine on the plane, and you know each one more is starting to like wine more and more. Um, 
you know, Zoe would drink a little bit of wine. You know, Drew, not so much Frank, you know, Kerridge, and like they're like ask questions like, oh, what kind of wine is this mm-hmm. and all that. So it's. Yeah, well, so like what are those conversations like if you're um, like opening up a bottle on the plane? A lot dumber than, than what it is now. <laughs> um, could be, because instead of a master wine candidate teaching, <laughs> you have me that's, that's trying to like explain why. And I, I sound like a master of wine when I tell you, when I'm talking <laughs> to these guys, I sound like I'm the man. Um, but it's just like really just basic stuff, you know, just, oh, where is this from? It's not like, oh, what do you taste? It's just like, oh, like, you know, what should I look for? Like, is this like high alcohol content? Um, you know, cause we gotta, you know, sometimes we have to drive home so we can't drink too much. Yeah. It's just a, maybe like glass or so, but it's just kind of like those kind of want, you know, what makes this wine different than, you know, what makes this Napa wine different than this left bank Bordeaux wine and stuff like that. So that's the best way to learn. Um, is just start yeah. talking exactly. about it. Like start that. talking yeah. about it. And I feel, and I feel like that's kind of why, um, you know, wine is getting to be so big because you guys, you know, really these huge guys. And like I said, Bron, Jimmy Butler, yeah. all that, Kevin Love, but they also post about it and use, and then it gives other guys intrigued about it. Cause those are, you know, role models and leaders in the yeah. game. So guys younger than them, cause like, oh, you know, they're doing that, and some want to be just like them, and some yeah. kind of just copy everything they do. Um, so it just keeps trickling down and trickling down, and so there's more fascination about wine, and now it just keeps going because yeah. younger guys are starting to get into it, even you know, younger than you know normally, and you know, it just keeps going and keeps going. So it's um, and that's really, really what cool. it's meant to do is exactly. like bring people together, yeah. inspire conversation. It's meant to mm-hmm. be a social thing. I mean, except for you when you're drinking alone late at night. Um, <laughs> yeah, late at night. But uh, no, I mean, that's exactly the fun of it, right? Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. you know, like we were talking about before, like I might love this wine. It might not be something that you enjoy, but we can have a conversation about it, you know, yeah. and talk about like what we like and don't like and, and exactly. our differences. Yeah. So. And, and you're not, and you're not, because like, you know, with, with you know, with guys, you know, with my teammates or you know, people like my friends or whatever that I'll go to Napa with, and they know nothing about wine, and I know little to nothing about wine, but I know a little bit more than them, so I feel smart. And but it's like you don't, you're not like self, like because if they were in here and you know, and, and it was me and Vanessa and like you know, a couple of my teammates or my boys from back home or whatever. Like they might not say anything because like they're nervous about right. like oh I don't want to sound stupid or right. whatever and it's like the same and you know, might be in the classroom or whatever but you know you're talking to me it's like there's you can't sound stupid because you might ask ask a question I'm like that's a great question like, I can't answer it so I think that's part of it so it's like there's so much. Yeah room to learn about the you know that kind of thing but like what you're talking about though is is something that I, I feel really passionate about is like sort of taking this fear out of it you know it's something like again I used to be I used to be an opera singer and people have all this like oh I, I don't know how to enjoy it I need to like know something before mm-hmm. I even walk in the door and I think that's similar with wine you know and I I really love to just like get people excited about wine like don't be afraid to like, just like say what you're tasting and smelling and and that's again like what what we try to do at wine access is like i'm gonna taste everything for you like don't yeah. be afraid like i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna tell you everything i think you may not agree with me but like i'm gonna lay it out there yeah. you know um i want to give ourselves enough time to yes, to, to try something else because special bottle vanessa cool. has a surprise for you which means you're Let's gonna have it. to you and i are gonna have to do down the hatch with this oh. so say no more I beat you. Ha. All right. Dang, I was just going to say, I was just had one valid point, but I wanted to say, I forgot what it was going to be. I happen to know. Ah, my favorite. This is your favorite. This is my favorite. This is my favorite. Favorite producer, right? My favorite, Left Bank Bordeaux. Yes, from Poyak. Oh, it's Poyak? Damn, I've been calling it Pollock the whole time. Um, Poyak. You can can talk about this, because I always get it wrong when I say the name. 
Oh, Ponte Canet is the name. Uh, so it's a fifth growth um, from the left bank of Bordeaux. So it's a Bordeaux. When we say Bordeaux blend, we're talking about some combination mm-hmm. of Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, or Malbec. This does not have any Malbec in it. Um, so it's mostly Cabernet Sauvignon with some Merlot, a little dash of Cab Franc, and Petit Verdot. But um, I think I just think this like property is really special. So it's really only had ownership since the 1700s of two different families. I'm like totally butchering this foil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk and open a bottle at the same time. Um, and they do everything organically and biodynamically. So mm-hmm. everything in the vineyard... Um, it's like, you know, no pesticides, no chemicals, nothing synthetic. Um, and then a step beyond that, bio, biodynamics, which we could talk for an hour about, so I won't. But um, but it's sort of taking it to even, like, wow. another level of just care in the vineyard. They even, like, harvest by the lunar cycle. Um, oh, wow. They the use cycle. only horses <laughs> in the vineyard um, during harvest, so no tractors. Um, so I'm that really doesn't uh, compact the soil. So you don't want wow. to compact soil in vineyards too much because it can affect um, – the drainage because you want okay. good drainage wow. um so and also they also you know they fertilize the soil um definitely helps so yeah <laughs> so it's just a really it's a very very special wine perfect i'm very excited about this one and it's the 2016 vintage thank you which is fantastic how, how long has this been your favorite um, the minute you had it yeah probably because like i i so i always said I, I wanted to try to conquer napa valley first but then um, I went to a wine opening for the 2017 uh, Vintage for Jordan Winery, mm-hmm. and they kind of fucked that all up, really, because I was like, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm only having Napa, da 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 So they brought, you know, my birth year, me and Kyle Kuzma there. So our birth year is 95. So they brought a 95 um, Chateau Pinchon Baron. Did I say it right? Pinchon Baron, yeah. Ah, yes. Beautiful. Rolled and off your had tongue. that, and... Um, and I was like, yo, this is fire. Like, this is way better. I think way better than Napa Cabs. Yeah. And then I had, this was like probably the second Bordeaux that I had. And I was just like, yo, I love this. It's yeah. one, of my, my, one of my favorites. And this is like, it's infanticide yeah. to be opening this right now. Like, it's so young. This 2016. But it's still so beautiful. Yeah. Ideally, like, perfect world. When when would a bottle like this be opened? I mean, it depends like on the pro- it depends on the producer, yeah. right? But I think this could, I mean, easily 20, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Could you... Um, like he let it go too long. Like, Absolutely. When when when's the for this particular bottle, the Chateau Pinot 2016? What's like the latest that? You know, I couldn't predict yeah. honestly at this stage. It's so youthful, but yeah. I mean, the quality's there that indicates it's going to age for a really long time. Yeah. But I think like that's probably one of the questions they get asked more than anything is like, when should I open this particular mm-hmm. bottle? And part of it depends on like what do you like? Yeah. You know, some people like their wines really primary and like fruit forward, mm-hmm. and some people like it sort of like older, tertiary, more savory. Yeah. I, I have a, a former boss um, at a winery in, in Napa, and I literally never, he never opened a single bottle that he didn't say it was too youthful. Even things that I was like, this wine is gone. Like, this is yeah. so past. He was like, no, it's too youthful. So, so that, that was just his palate, yeah. you know? Um, Greg Popovich, who's one of the coaches in the NBA, coaches yeah. the Spurs, he has like an incredible collection. Yeah. And I've heard he has like, like, Rothschilds from like yeah, the 50s and the 60s yeah, and I'm yeah. like are those even are those yeah. even still drinkable? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I mean again it, it also depends on how it's stored because yeah. if you're really serious about collecting you have to you know store the wine properly yeah. but yeah absolutely. Oh, speaking of storing the wine properly you got a, a cellar on I the way. I hear you've got a cellar. My man is is replacing so, his pantry yep. with a cellar. Yep. Wine over food. Yeah wine <laughs> over food. I got some I got some bigger shelves that I can um uh use for the pantry. Yeah. Um, um, Vanessa, what? Sorry, I just wanted to get her quick. 
Oh, what what are we what should we be picking up here? Okay, so again, this is Cabernet Sauvignon dominant. So a lot of the stuff sure. I I picked up on in the um, the cab from from Dakota Shy, mm. which is that that kind of like black currant, black cherry yeah. note to it. To me, um, this has a little bit more savoriness to mm. it as well. It has that like kind of like forest flory note to it, like um, kind of like a crushed rock sort of minerality. Yeah. Um, and this to me has this almost like 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 cigar box note yeah. and like pencil, this is going to pencil shavings, which is, can be that's, a marker that's for, what you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> can be a marker for, yeah, for, for Bordeaux and yeah. for me particularly, um, Poyac, yeah. but Poyac tends to be like a very elegant region. Yeah. I just think it's, it's really beautiful. Um, the tannins to me feel different on this. Again, the tannins are just that tactile sensation mm -hmm. where like on this, they were definitely like big tannins, but yeah. they're kind of lush and round and this, they're kind of like fine grain and pixelated. Yeah. Um, again, that's like, you know, yeah. I know your eyes were probably glazing <laughs> over before when I'm like, nah. but that's the palette shape. Like it you just had me at pencil shape. feels differently. But we, I was, I think we've also said this story on the podcast, but we were at Bond and we did a tasting with Scott over there. He's awesome. He was incredible. Yeah. One of the, it was like one of the coolest like wine experiences ahead, I've ever had. Statement. You know, you already I know what know I want to say. Go we ahead. get to like, he, he, he had their five, the five different Bond wines. It was like yep. Vecina, St. Eden, okay. I forget the other three. Pluribus. Pluribus. Uh, Wait, did you say you said you said, you said Saint Eden, Pluribus, Vecina, Vecina, Sisequis. Don't get this wrong. I can't remember. Okay, well, he anyway he set up all, he set <laughs> up remember. all five in order from like I would say I guess like lightest to like heaviest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we're getting to like the end, and he was like, "Yeah, this one's a uh, this one's a essentially." An iron fist with a velvet glove. Steel yeah. fist. Steel, Steel fist, fist with a velvet glove. glove. Yeah. And like it hits I, you, but not too, hard, but like not too yeah. hard. Something I was like, like that. it sounded like when he said it, it sounded like crazy. But I was like, oh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the way that that you guys describe wine is like is really cool. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, I'm gonna have to jet in a couple of minutes. But one thing I did want to I did want to have you answer, and and I'm sure a lot of people are curious about it because like especially when you first get into wine, you see. Yeah. Like oh like say this bottle you know, this bottle might be a ninety nine point on mm -hmm. wine a, you know wine access a wine advocate right. or but it might be like a ninety five with with Jeb Dunham, Dunham right Dunham. Duncan Dunham. Duncan yeah Dunham. I feel like Dunham. 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 or like ninety seven on Rob Park or whatever and right. a lot of times people get wrapped up in scores the scores mm -hmm. and people got to you know just kind of you know kind of quickly talk about that because one is personal preference like. You know, Rob Parker might have a different, you know, palette than you do. And so it's like yeah. Rob Parker might have that like a 97, but you're like, right. oh, it might be, a, this is 99. This is so good to me. So right. it's kind of, one, talk about like not getting wrapped up in those scores because it yeah. could be a palette that's totally different than yours. Yep. But just kind of talk about that. It's a great question. And I mean, you, you already answered part of it for me, which is that I think it can be useful, um, particularly when you're just getting into wine. If you find a, a critic that like your palate aligns with it, where you're, if you say like, hey, this he is rating this type of wine really highly. I like this type of wine. Mm -hmm. Then you, you could probably safely follow that mm -hmm. person's recommendations and you'll find wines that you like. But I mean, ultimately, I love for people to just be empowered with what they're with their own, um, what they're tasting, you know, yeah. because, you know, we were talking about music earlier. Like, I don't think we would like go see a concert and you'd put like a numerical score on it. Yeah. Right. right. And I think it's the same thing. Like this is like an art form, you know, and, and, and we're all going to experience it differently. So I tend to not look at scores. And what's funny too, is sometimes you'll look and they'll give it like, like 
a, a low score and then you read what they actually write about it and it's like this is the best wine I tasted mm, yeah. from the vintage and you know so sometimes it's like what, this doesn't yeah, make any sense yeah, you know um, um, so they can be useful but I think ultimately yeah. like I like to empower people to make their own decisions yeah. I know you're gonna kill me I have one last question um, do you ever feel like not to mention names do you feel like certain wineries uh, or winemakers will um, look at the critics, understand their palate and understand what they tend to rate highly and then just make a wine to essentially score. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it Sell used outs. to happen. Mm-hmm. It used to happen more frequently with a certain publication. I think Not people actually change their winemaking to, to receive a higher score from this particular critic. Um, but I think y- you also see like consumers are starting to care less about scores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that, I think that that's changing, but for sure. Cool. I mean, it's still a business in the end, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, can't, I won't lie. I like like a high score can help sell wine, and you yeah. know if you're a winery, you can't blame them for yeah, trying to trying wine, to go for it. Yeah. So. Alright, cool. This is fun. Yeah, this was a take I us out. I feel like I can talk to you guys all day, especially yeah, now I've had a glass of wine. Day, and don't chatty, don't so. get us wrong. <laughs> in in the summer, we're going to be in Napa when we're doing this. When we're doing this we're class on, on and we're the gonna, hillside, yeah, we're going to have a nice, beautiful view, background behind us, and we're going to sit there and chop it up for like an hour and a half. Going to try different wines. Only an hour and a half. It's well, Napa. It's like uh, the good life. Hour and a half for the camera thing. We cut that off. Then we can say whatever oh, we want. Okay, you know gotcha. what I mean? Okay, I'm in. Yeah. But um, no. So that, I mean, this has been fun. You guys yeah, are going to be up so for much. Wine yeah, Palooza in July, oh, right? Without a doubt. Charity wine auction. So. Without a doubt. So this will be fun. So for everyone, you know, this is going. This wraps up 2019 season one, season one with Lighthearted Podcast, and um, definitely go pick this up. Yeah, you know, in the, in the beginning of 2020, you know, I was, you know, we got to take a little bit of downtime, relax, and working and hard, for have you guys. fun. Yeah, have fun. But this has been um, an amazing ride with the Lighthearted Podcast, um, you know, fans. And it's been fun for us to, you know, kind of talk about different people's stories and yeah. and every walk every walk of life and and it kind of came fun. full circle with a with a wine episode too because we kind of that was kind of an identity we started in the off season and we were drinking more wine on the pod yeah. than, we, than we do now because you're in season but it came full circle yeah so that's so, been good so, so cheers, cheers. Thank, Final you cheers. So much thank you for Vanessa. cheers thank you